see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, do your work on us, in us, for us and through us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll start by telling you a little bit of a parable. It comes out of a movie, but I'll tell you it as a parable. His greatest strength exposed him to his greatest weakness. He was like a dragon. He was a dragon in in every way, impenetrable, unstoppable. Nothing could breach him. He he said about himself that his his armor was like 10,000 shields. His whip was like a scorpion's tail that could pierce anything. His breath was like a a flaming fire. He was, in a word, unstoppable, and no one could tame him. And he made sure that everybody knew it. But this greatest strength of him exposed him to his greatest weakness. It so happened that as this dragon sort of fellow, he unleashed his fury on a town and flew over it with blazing fiery breath laying waste to everyone and everything in its path. He went back and forth. No one was safe from his fiery breath. Everyone ran except for one. He took his stand in a tower and unleashed arrow after arrow at the dragon. And the dragon became more and more, as dragons happen to do, more and more bold and brash and arrogant, almost taunting the man in the tower. And as he flew back and forth, proud and strong, mighty and unstoppable, the man in the tower saw his weakness 
In his pride, he didn't see it himself. And the man took aim. And as the dragon took his path, he pierced the blind spot. The chink in his armor, the thing he thought was covered. And in one fell swoop, his greatest strength became his greatest weakness. And he was drowned and downed, his fire extinguished, dead in the lake. His greatest strength exposed him to his greatest weakness. I think we could say some of the same sorts of things about the people of Israel. Their greatest strength, or maybe we should say it this way, God's greatest gift to them. It wasn't God's fault, of course, but God's greatest gift to them exposed them to one of their greatest weaknesses. Their their greatest strength, the greatest gift of God to the people of Israel, they were his favorites. They were his chosen people. God had told his people, this is way back in the days of Exodus, God has told his people, you're my people, though you're smaller than everybody, though you're one of the weaker, the weakest of the nations, though you're stiff-necked, stubborn, and rebellious people, God said, you're my favorites. He picked them to be his own. He set them apart from all the nations. He gave them Jerusalem and the temple and temple worship and God's presence and rescue. God poured his blessings on them. They were his favorite people. But that greatest gift of God to them exposed them to their own pride. And as the people, as time passed, the people forgot God. They, they forgot what church was all about. They would go to church and they would go about the motions. They would do the church thing, but their worship was fake. They, they would run into trouble and then they would say, where's God? They, they would fall, the people of Israel, they, they fell into all kinds of things and God said this about them, they don't even blush anymore. The greatest gift of God, their their security, the security of their chosenness, their favoriteness, their election, exposed them to some sort of security. And now in the book of Jeremiah, God was coming at them, after them, a little bit like an enemy. But all of their prophets were saying, peace, peace. But there was no peace because God was coming after them. God had told his people that he would. Remember that in the book of Deuteronomy where on the one hand God said to his people, if you're faithful to me, if you keep my word, then I'll bless you. I'll bless you in the town and out of the town. Uh, Your enemies will come at you in one direction. They'll run from you in six or seven. Right? God promises people that if you stick with me, if you follow me, if you keep my word and hold it in your hearts, if you don't forsake me, then I'll bless you. But if you don't, On the other hand, if you don't, God said, I will become an enemy to you. Look at Deuteronomy 16. I counted it up. Sixteen times God said, I will do this to you. It wasn't the Babylonians. It wasn't the Assyrians. They were agents of God. It was God himself who said to his people, I will come after you because I love you. Their greatest strength exposed them to their greatest weakness. And so what was God sending Jeremiah to do? God said that through through Jeremiah, God was going to come for them. 
like a gardener. Did you catch that picture in the, in the mission that God gave to Jeremiah? God was coming for his people like a gardener. Put this down. Like, like a gardener going into his garden to, to, to go into the garden and to uproot. To tear up sin and blindness and arrogance and fallenness and stubbornness. To tear it up by the root and throw it on the fire so it's gone. God was coming after his people like a demolition man to tear down. Going into the building and just knocking down walls. God was coming to his people like an enemy to destroy and overthrow. But that wasn't all God was coming to do. That wasn't the only work that God was coming to do. He was, still, he was also coming like a gardener to, to build. He would tear down walls, but then he would build new ones. Tear down buildings and build new ones. To build and, like a gardener, to lay straight rows and to plant green, lush fruits and plants again. That was the work that God was coming to do through the prophet Jeremiah. See, I have sent you, he said to Jeremiah, to to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. I think it's safe to say that our greatest gift to God sometimes exposes us to our greatest weaknesses. God's greatest gift, you know, we we could say this in all kinds of different ways, but wouldn't you say that God's grace to us is one of the greatest gifts that we enjoy? I, I don't know about you, but it's one of the things that I love about being a Lutheran. There's just the, the emphasis that, that we enjoy and that we preach and that we teach, that we see in the scriptures, it's not something that Lutherans do because it's fun. It's something that Lutherans do because it's true. That, that God loved us while we were still sinners. That God shows us, apart from anything that we would do, he chose us before we were born to be his own people. That God says to you and I, by grace, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, I picked you to be my favorites. That's a true gift that I hope we enjoy and enjoy more and more throughout our lives. But does not grace then also become at times our own weakness? expose us to our own weakness. We say to our things, on the, on the one hand, we say to ourselves things like, I don't have to because grace. We say, I don't have to go to church because grace. I don't have to read my Bible because grace. There are all kinds of things in, in, a, in a pursuit of piety and following God and, and just disciplining ourselves to walk in his footsteps where we say, I don't have to because I'm saved by grace. And that's true. But let there not be an excuse for us to say, I'm not going to follow Jesus with all my heart. And on the other hand, if we do happen to be pious, somehow what happens to grace? We leave it behind. Because look at who I am and look at what I've become and look at what I'm doing. We, we put on our little Lutheran gold star. Of course, we put it behind our blouse or our sweater or something. But it's there still. If we do somehow manage to do something pious in our lives, we say to ourselves, well, look, look at me, I'm, I'm doing it. We won't tell anybody, of course. But in our hearts, we know. Or, 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 or we, we think to ourselves, and I'm leaning into this a little bit because I want you to understand what God is doing among us and what God wants to do among us. We, we use the scriptures sometimes to prop up 
our own arguments. Have you ever noticed that? I, I see this in myself. I think about what I want to say about something, about what I want to believe, and then I, and then I get all these Bible verses to, as kind of like a, I'm going to build up buttresses around it to like make my argument what I want it to be. I challenge you, you can argue for just about anything using the Bible. It's not the right way to do it, but it's what we can do. We, have our, we, call it, we could call it confirmation bias. We read the Bible, we make it say what we want it to say, instead of letting it speak to us as God gives it to us and letting it say what God says it says. And then like the dragon, I'll identify one more thing. We have these blind spots. We, we see parts of ourselves quite clearly and then there are other parts of ourselves that we don't quite see so clearly. And it's those things that when other people poke a little bit, those are the things that hurt the most because they see us for who we are. And we don't like that much. And we cling to grace, and that's a beautiful thing, but let that not blind us to the sin that's creeping inside of us. And this is God's Lenten work. We need him to put his hands on us, like, like a gardener. A gardener who is who's going to come into his garden, and he will not let weeds and blight and mildew remain. He's coming in like the gardener to prune and to cut off, to tear out the weeds, to tear out what does not belong. And that's painful to us, but it's only to bless us. We, we need him to come in like a demolition man to knock down the walls of those secret places in our lives, to knock down the walls of our pride and arrogance and to bring us down to earth where we belong. We need him to come a little bit, sometimes a little bit more aggressively like an enemy, to overthrow and to destroy us, to use the words of the ashes on our head, the image of the ashes on our head to kill us so that then he can raise us. And that's not all God comes to do. We need God to come and put his hands on us to, to build us up, to build our, our faith on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the scriptures with, with Jesus and his work as the cornerstone of all of that, the most important piece. We, we need God to build up walls that are built and standing on his word. We, we need God to come in and lay straight rows and plant good crops that will grow and flourish with new life and, and good fruit. See, this is God's Lenten work to ensure that his, that his word will not come back empty, that he will always accomplish in us and for us what he desires. God gave Jeremiah a vision. I'm not sure actually if it was a vision or if it's just something he was, Jeremiah was out in the neighborhood and God asked Jeremiah the question, what do you see, Jeremiah? Kind of a strange question, but Jeremiah said, I see, I see an alm, a branch of an almond tree. Kind of a weird thing. And God said, not olive, almond. Almond, like, a, like the nut. I see an almond tree. And God said to Jeremiah, you've seen correctly. For, and now God explained, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Now, I don't know about you, but I first read that verse and I'm like, whoa, almond trees and 
fulfilled words, what's the connection? I don't get it. Jeremiah did, though. It was a homonym, word that sounded the same but meant something different. When God said almond tree, when Jeremiah heard almond tree and God said watching, the two words almond and watching sound the same. So what that meant for Jeremiah is every time he saw an almond tree, it was a sermon to his heart that God's going to finish his word. God's going to watch over his word to make sure that, his, that it will be fulfilled. Every promise, that's what God's saying through the almond branch, every promise will be fulfilled. Dear people of God, this Lent, look for almond branches. Not olive branches, almond branches. Look for them in, 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 in our worship. You'll, you'll see it here in just a minute as we gather at the table. For God is watching over his word to accomplish his purpose, his saving purpose among us and for us as he forgives our sins and gives us his body and blood. Watch God keep his promises as we hear and receive his word for our salvation. Watch God keep his word in your life because in your life, God is at work. He's he's at work to like a gardener, like a demolition man, to break you and, and then also by word and sacrament to heal you and raise you. That's God's Lenten work and he's watching over it, you, to ensure that it comes to completion. Amen?